Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tussaud. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda our ad and business decisions and why there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, Serena's justified rage, and a petty anger corner where we complain about the tiny, probably insignificant things that make us rage. Hello, Ann Friedman. Oh, hello, hello. Guess what? I've showered and it's not 9 a.m. yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this coast, this is well past 9 a.m. I know. Uh, <laughs> this is like, it, it sounds increasingly less impressive when, when I say it out loud. I was feeling so like freelancer good about myself today. I was like, woof, I am on it. Oh I'm, my God. Yep. I look like freelancer bedraggled today. Like I caught a glimpse of myself in the television, you know, and mm-hmm. I was like, cover the TV up. Like, I can't deal with this. Right. You're like, who is she? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's also, you know, like productive days. We have so many announcements today. What's going girl, on? <laughs> so many announcements. Well, the first super exciting announcement is that yeah, girls are going on tour. What? Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, head to callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour to find out all about the Shine Theory tour. Oh uh, it's going to be fun coming to nine, ten cities near you. I think it's and nine. <laughs> I think it's nine, right? Um, we try, like, we were trying to be ambitious, but like, it's definitely nine now. Um, <laughs> but I am like super excited about the places we're going to. We're hitting the Pacific Northwest. Uh for the first time, going back to like some Midwest faves uh, and hitting the East Coast and San Francisco. Also, like first time in Boston, and my first time ever in the city of Seattle. Like that's what that's what's going to happen here. So basically, between October twenty first and November fourth, we are on the road. So come see us. We are going to have some very fun guests. We are going to have some very fun segments that we can only do live because there's a visual element. Guess what? We're also visual people. And um, it's just a (laughs) really good time. (laughs) I know. And like really good merch, like exclusive merch. Talk to anybody who's been to our shows before. How soft is the t-shirt? So soft. Truly the softest. I cannot wait. This is like me living all of my weird, like, but what if I were in a band fantasies? Because <laughs> our our tour tee is one of those that like has all the dates on the back. Uh, I just couldn't be happier about it. And also, like, we are going to be road dogs together. <laughs> uh, listen. 
I'm like both excited and worried about it. Um, so I'm actually super excited about this tour. I think it's going to be fun. Looking forward to meeting everybody. So bring your besties. Buy your ticket early. We're not going to handle any of the like, I couldn't get a ticket. Can I get on the list emails? No more. Your girl's too big for that now. So <laughs> if you want to come and you care about us, buy your ticket early. Show up on time. It is true because, like, in certain cities where we haven't been in a while, um, they probably will sell out fairly quickly. So, um, and also, it's called the Shine Theory Tour. You want to be there. We're going to all shine so hard, like IRL in the same space. Right. Bring your besties. It's going to be fun. Oof. Okay. Again, the ticket link and all of the show dates are at callyourgirlfriend.com slash tour. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. One more biz announcement which you may have heard in the last couple of episodes. But basically, we're working on an exciting new project, and we're interested in stories of how our listeners met their besties. So did you meet your bestie by posting an ad on Craigslist? Did you meet in the next cubicle over? Did you meet through a person one of you was dating who has since been excised from both of your lives? <laughs> were you <laughs> were you enemies in high school? Were you besties in high school? Did you like have a falling out and then get back together? We want to know about it. You can leave us a message with the story of your bestie meet cute at 714-681-CYGF. Uh, and if you want to call us with your bestie and tell your story together, we would love that even more. Again, that number is 714-681-CYGF. Woo, that's a lot of announcements. Let's take a little break. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, uh, what has been on your mind? Let's talk. We have, we have some, like, things we've been putting off, I feel like. <laughs> you, okay, you know how I come alive in Q3. So, <laughs> I am like... Fully alive. I, I, you were here at the beginning of Q3, and it is one of my greatest regrets that I did not present you with a happy Q3 set of balloons because I know this about you. <laughs> it's my best time of the year. It's like what you know. It's like summer is always garbage for me. I do nothing. Q1 is just like you know, like dealing with cancer or like emotional cancers. So like it's <laughs> everything about Q1 is bad. But like Q3, emotional I cancer. always shine. Q3, I always shine. So what is going on? I'm just like you know low-key simmering rage now it's like now that i'm like awake and my engine is on i'm like annoyed by everything uh i don't feel the same about q3 as you do and i don't feel the same about like a newly awakened annoyance but i have definitely had a like slowly building i guess annoyance is maybe the right word but also like i'm gonna be real straight up confusion about the amount of diet coke blowback we are getting and like <laughs> i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say it because well first of all we did an episode called businesswoman special where we discuss the fact that we are making difficult decisions every day about how we monetize this podcast i.e how we pay our rent and eat while we contribute significant labor to making this thing that you are listening to for and, free for free yeah and guess what like we we live in a capitalist society where pretty much all the dollars that you're going to accept for that work 
are going to be compromised in some way. Like there are a few places where I'm like, oh my God, like truly cannot find a single, like all the way up the funding chain, cannot find a single thing wrong with this business or this business model. But you know what? Like that is a rare exception. Like most- Listen, and (laughs) there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Let's all say it again. There is no ethical <laughs> consumption under fucking capitalism. However, there are like definitely choices that you get to make. And we talk about those choices a lot, right? Like we we are definitely like on the record as saying that like in terms of like what clothing you buy and what types of businesses you patronize with your dollars, like in terms of you giving your money to someone, there are better choices than others to make. Of course there are better choices, but we're all compromised. Sorry, the reason that I feel salty about this is just because there is also, like, a degree of entitlement to which, like, who people feel that they can, like, whose choices they can police. And I find that, like, if you are a woman, the chances are that, like, your ethical choices get policed or, like, greater. And if you are, like, a woman who is not white, it increases exponentially. Yes. It's just like a thing that we talk a lot about behind the scenes. So I guess we should bring it in front of the scene. Yeah. And I will say this. So, okay. So Diet Coke is a product that those of us who make the podcast like have consumed. You know, I mean, it's not like this is something where we're like, oh my God, <laughs> I would never touch that. I like, you know, like. No, that- I'm literally drinking a Diet Coke right now. Stop it. Do not give them free. <laughs> this is the limit. We are not giving like free, free ad sales here. Listen, um, but Anne, here's the thing, right? There are literally brands who don't need ad sales and Coca-Cola is one of them. Sure. And I guess um, it's interesting too. like, this is an interesting like case t- to me as well, because we say no all the time to brands that are actually about dieting. We say no to brands that like have Instagram feeds full of like white women's jutting hip bones. We say no to brands that are like trying to make it about health and wellness, but it's very clear that it's about like weight loss and like, you know, having a certain kind of body. We say no to all of those. And it's very funny because none of those things have diet in the name and Diet Coke, while it has diet in the name, I feel like culturally is not generally associated as like a diet product anymore. It's like, this is just a beverage that people drink. Some people love that metallic aspartame tang, like whatever, you know what I mean? But it is like pretty culturally divorced from the idea of trying to lose weight. So like, that is like a thing that I thought about as we were considering these ads for sure fair can i tell you one of the funniest like pieces of feedback that we've gotten about the diet coke ads hit me (laughs) is that people think that like coca-cola is owned by the coke brothers the k-o-c-h brothers the k-o-c-h dark money brothers to the people who have instagrammed me this like i'm sorry to say it but like read a fucking book and do a google the coke brothers own literally everything in america Except for the Coca-Cola bottling company. (laughs) Sometimes I like also like wonder, you know, like what's going on here? Because I went down this rabbit hole of like figuring out, I was like, is it just these like two or three misinformed like Instagram DMers who think this? And then no, no, there's an entire legion of people who think this. And that's like really funny. But the thing about it that I find fascinating is that people decide that like some companies are like unilaterally worse than others. And to be clear, there is a hierarchy of, like, bad companies, right? Like, some people are literally, like, spilling oil in oceans. Like, that's fair. Or, like, stealing water and, like, things. But it is, like, uniquely hilarious to me that people will, like, use their iPhones, log into their Gmail or their Facebook products to tell us that, like, one of our advertisers is bad. Yeah. And there is also this, just this, like, level of trust of, like, 
trust us that like we think about it we think about it and we don't feel amazing about it like I don't feel amazing that I have to live under capitalism but guess what like this is where I live and not to be like an asshole about it but we do like weekly content for free it's like if you don't like it there are a lot of other things that you can consume for free but to the people who complain to us also I am very curious where else do you complain do you complain to MSNBC when you're watching like oil company ads on their shows when you're watching the nightly news is that a thing that you do do you complain to like the other kinds of content that you get for free or do you really feel entitled that this is a place where you can police our choices like I don't know the answer to that but I hope that like that is a thing that people consider because it is a thing that I consider a lot when I um when I feel uneasy about like certain like branding choices that people that I'm close to make it is true. And I think that, you know, the other thing that's going on here is it feels like outside of a norm, right? So like there are these brands that like, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard advertised all over the place. They're kind of like usual suspects advertisers, many of which are funded by some of the same big sources or have some of the same like suspect labor structures the Koch brothers own everything oh my god stop um or have some labor structures that you know are like contributing or like basically riding on the fact that say in this country uh workers at a certain wage level are not guaranteed basic rights and benefits right like you know like I really think that like once you pull pull the thread on the capitalist sweater like on any company that has advertised pretty much on our show or probably any other show you're listening to, you're going to find some really objectionable stuff. Not to mention looking at like, you know, the ways you are communicating with us about it. Like Instagram is owned by Facebook. Are you going to go to the map for Facebook <laughs> as an ethical company? Like you're sending what? this message on Instagram, right? So I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I find it really interesting that like, because it's this kind of historic, like, big brand, it's a lot easier, I think, for people to be like, what's going on here? When in fact, like the funding structures and the business policies are not 100% awesome, like down the board, but like we have to decide there are certain things that we say no to based on like the outward facing product that we're actually asking people to consume. And if we went all the way up the chain, all the way up the business structure for every company, we would not be making any money. We would not be doing this podcast because we would have stopped it a long time ago. they would all be owned by the Koch brothers. If you go up the chain to everything, everything is owned by the Disney people and by the Koch brothers. Like, that's how companies work. And also, if you're subjected to advertising, any, like, whatever company it is, even if it is a company that you love, even if it is, like, the most ethical, amazing, incredible, everything is hunky-dory, the point of advertising is to make you buy things. And, like, consumption is not amazing. I get it. I fully get where a lot of people come from. But again how we participate in like consumerist capitalism whose choices are we policing and who is the real enemy here and at the end of the day like we are all in this sauce together and it does not feel great yeah and I think that like asking that question too of like how are you applying your standards across the board to yourself and to like you know creators who have professed like similar political beliefs to yours but who are at bigger outlets and therefore more protected I mean the thing is like your example about oil ads on MSNBC, like Rachel Maddow is not personally fielding those messages. Like Rachel Maddow is just out there doing her job. I was thinking about this this week as well because uh, Tuesday Basson, who is a designer and owner of a clothing company that is 
small and woman run here in Los Angeles. Good friend of the pod. Yeah, she's been on the podcast before to talk about other companies stealing her designs and labor. Anyway, she just this week was um, took to her Instagram stories because she's about to release a new fall line. And I will say this about Tuesday. You know, I believe she offers clothes in somewhere between 7 to 11 sizes. Like the size range is really big. She works with all environmentally friendly or dead stock vintage materials. Her team is very small and all women and like well compensated. And um, Right, she, more sizes than Zara, more sizes than H&M, like more sizes than all your faves. Right, and she, um, I think she is really, she's a real model for me in terms of how to continue to engage with the questions she gets about, specifically around her price point and around the options she's offering to sort of say, without getting angry, I'm one woman with a tiny business out here doing the best that I can. And so this week, people were complaining that this skirt that's a part of her fall line was too short. And I will be honest, I saw the skirt and I was like, that is too short for me. Like, I've got a very long thigh, right? Like, this is not going to work for me. Um, But I was not like, let me email Tuesday and complain about this. I was just like, okay, next, I'll order some other item from Tuesday. Um, She got a lot of email from people and a lot of messages. And she was like, look, here is how we size these garments. Here is how we kind of like scale up the size as you go up the size range. Here is how we kind of determine this is why I like this as a shorter skirt. This is why I think it's cool to make a shorter skirt for like, you know, women up to like three X or whatever. Like she had a real, like she had thought about it. Then she went on to introduce all the members of her small team because her team is so small. You can do that on Instagram. And she did it all with a tone of like, I don't think you understand the burden you are placing on me when you when you ask these questions because you're assuming that I haven't thought about all of this stuff when in fact you're probably shopping here because you know I've thought about all this stuff right girl I know mm, shaking the table <laughs> anyway but I, I I find I find Tuesday super admirable she's also um you know, been able to respond to those questions in a way where she is truly engaging. And I think that like, it's a hard note to strike because I feel where you're coming from in terms of like the emotional reaction to all of this. But I also am like, we're not living in an era when people can trust that business owners, particularly small business owners, are bringing ethics into consideration and like are foregoing some profit for their beliefs. And so when you have an example of a place that is, it's like, oh, the door is open. It's open season to like run through and criticize everything. I think that like that is what I'm struggling with. I know, but you know, the, um, I'm going to put on my GOP hat right now. You know, oh my the God, beautiful, don't. <laughs> you know, you know how they're always like shitting on socialism. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about this like free market capitalist society that we live in is that you have choices. If you like do not like the choices that people make, you can like change the channel like all of the time. It's like if you don't want to shop at this store, there's many more stores that make skirts. If you don't want to listen to a particular show, you can listen to other shows. The thing is where you like box yourself into a corner is when you look at the people who are like potentially on your side, the people who are like trying to like do their best or who are trying to cater to you. And those are the people that you criticize more heavily. It's like, well, um, you know, this is not going to work for a lot of people. You know, I'm like the free market is beautiful. It's like bad, but it's amazing. You have yeah. choices. 
I know. And if you want to hear more about how we made the choice to be an ad-supported show, if you want to hear more about like some of the other factors that go into the decisions we make around our money collectively as CYG, the business, go back to our Businesswoman special episode. We will link it in the show notes and listen to that. It's like, you know, at this point, it's a couple years old and it's probably due for an update. But the, I, I don't believe that our values or our decision-making process have changed. <laughs> no, we're going to start doing... Um detox teas and uh and uh like corsets like on this show now right i mean this podcast now brought to you exclusively by like diet culture (laughs) um oh my god you know it's hard out here being a small business but it's also a lot of fun I mean, and I, you know what though? I think that like that is, that is where I land as well, which is like, I feel fine about, you know, there are, there are actually a couple of choices that I don't feel awesome about that we've made around money, but they are things that have generated precisely zero emails. Like I carry that like a psychic burden alone. Right. Um, it's like the shameful things like nobody actually knows about. Or, or nobody, <laughs> nobody catches, right? Like I think right. that, like, that's the other thing, like, you know, things that we didn't know about when we greenlit something, like I feel fundamentally good about the choices that we have made collectively about like the hard line to walk of like existing as an overtly like political and overtly feminist podcast within a capitalist culture where we still need to pay our rent like I feel I feel good about that I know you know the reason I think that I'm a little surly about it um it's one it's like q3 so I'm alive but also (laughs) one of the reasons that I am really surly about it is because in all of the conversations about money, like women get punished so much for like running businesses in ways that men do not. And often by other women. It's a thing that I like keep observing at every level in startup world, in like podcast world, in like every place possible. And so I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. But at the same time, like it's like I think a lot about your like haters matrix a lot in moments <laughs> in moments like this. Not to say that like people who push back are haters. Like I don't believe that at all. I actually think that like a lot of this criticism comes from a really good place. Right. They're critics, but, not um, haters. Yeah. Right. Um, except for the people who think that the Koch brothers own Coca-Cola. Those people I'm deeply concerned about. They think they're but- critics, but they're actually <laughs> haters because they're misinformed. Maybe that's they're what's haters. going on. Yeah, they're <laughs> misinformed haters. But it's also the kind of thing where like it has been like a really good practice of like, oh, actually like, where like is it criticism where is it coming from where should it make me better or where is it really a place where I'm like sorry I give you a thing for free you get what you get and if you don't like it like change the channel has been like this been a very instructive moment totally and I also think it bears noting like in the forum of the like on the podcast is that like look like we get mail about this to our inbox I get some direct messages about it, but I would say that the vast, not not the vast majority, but the majority for sure of the feedback about this goes to you directly, even though you are one third of this team. I might point out that you are the one third of this team who is not white. So like maybe there's something else going on there. What? Um, Who's not white? So speak for yourself. Listen. As um, a white woman, as a white woman and um, no, but yeah, you're absolutely, you're actually absolutely right. But, like, I I do get the brunt of it, and it does annoy me. But also, like, I am, like, no longer engaging with, like, the um, the stranger public at large, like, on these platforms. Well, because it, it really annoys me. And I think it's a micro, it's, like, it's definitely a version of the point that you were making of, hey, it's, like, a lot easier to take issue with us than it is with, like, 
a bigger kind of like more corporate outlet that has similar professed views. And in the same way, like, you know, within our little team, like who is perceived as like a, a more, I don't know, like acceptable target for this criticism, the answer is clearly like you. And so it's like, hmm, look at your choices, right? Like who are you criticizing and how? And also if Diet Coke really is your thing and you are like, look, my number one political aim is like, educating people about what is up with the Coca-Cola company and I am on it. I'm just like, I hope you are spreading that message around and not only hitting your girls here at Call Your Girlfriend. Um, because I'm like, you know, <laughs> just like look at how you are putting that belief into practice if that is in fact like a, a, a thing of utmost importance to you. If anybody who works at the Coca-Cola company is listening to this though, <laughs> my, my dream is to have a can that says Amina that comes out like next Ramadan because it truly is maybe the most like popular name in the world. So like holler at your girls with some custom branding. There's no ethical <laughs> consumption under capitalism, but I want my own Diet Coke can. I just literally threw my mic down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe it. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, they, they say use your platform. I am using my platform. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let's take another break for ads. I th clearly, we need it. Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. Or it could come from me. I mean, not to. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable ultra chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. really good at this transition thing huh oh um, my god do you want to keep riding this rage pony like man the rage pony is so <laughs> good you know like a lot of people are not like they're very uncomfortable with like anger specifically women's anger i personally think that anger is the most productive feeling that you can have because it just like it makes you like do something about a lot of things 
So, it's very motivating. Yeah. Right. So like I'm annoyed, but it's not like the end of the it's not like the end of the world. I just like like if anything, I'm like I'm sleeping amazing. So a lot of that has to do with that. So I love the idea we, of you just rage shaking yourself to sleep <laughs> like listen, a little baby. <laughs> we're going to have Rebecca Tracer on the pod soon. But like I'm reading her book about like women's rage and she like makes the same point. She's sleeping better. She's exercising harder. She's having like great sex. Like here's what's going on with like 24 seven rage time. It's so P.S. Her book is out in a couple of weeks, right? In early October. Yes. Rebecca Traister's Good and Mad, The Revolutionary Power of Women's Anger will be out on October 2nd. And she'll be on the podcast that week to talk to us more about this low-grade simmering rage we've been feeling for a while. Or high-grade in some cases, let's be real. (laughs) I know. For some people. For me, it's just like a fever. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I also love that it's I had I had not heard it discussed in the in the context of like her improving her life like I'm exercising better I'm healthier I'm having great sex like my skin yeah. has cleared up <laughs> totally and this, but you know it's like Rebecca so she's like incredibly woke and great and she still like acknowledges that like it is like a place of privilege that she's paid to write about being angry mm-hmm. right and so like All of the benefits are great because she actually gets paid for it. She's not paying the price that a lot of other women do and specifically like women of color. There's a different price to be paid for like being angry. Right. And expressing it. Right. And expressing your anger. And one end of the spectrum is like, I feel great. I'm sleeping great. And I'm, you know, like exercising and whatever. And the other end of that spectrum is like women are dying. So it's a range. Yeah, for sure. So are we going to talk about Serena? Let's talk about Serena because I'm still angry about it. Okay. What is the, I mean, you are the tennis fan in this family and we are all Serena fans, but like you were clocked in in real time in a way that like I was not until after the fact. I was so clocked in in real time that when my friend Cam told me in the text message that she had just gotten engaged, I was explaining to her what happened to Serena and like totally missed that she got engaged. (laughs) Wait, so what That's happened to Serena? I was. So here's what happened to Serena. Serena was um, playing this like wonderful young woman, Naomi Osaka, who, if I'm perfectly honest, is who I was rooting for because I love rooting for an underdog. I will take a bullet for Serena, but I really wanted this young woman to win. Wow, and this is some complicated stuff. You're, you're rooting for a, the woman who's playing against the woman you would take a bullet for. I'm like, you're really there yeah. for everyone. <laughs> listen, it's not that I'm... Listen, I like I lived in the era of Williams versus Williams. You learn how to have complicated feelings. Sure, <laughs> sure. You know, like sometimes I don't know how much sports ball you were into, but like there really are times where you're like, it doesn't matter who wins. Like, I just want to watch a great game. And like, even if your fave loses, if it is a great game, it was worth it. Yep. That is often the feeling of Williams versus Williams. But this was not a Williams versus Williams uh, situation. Close enough. So anyway, Serena, basically the umpire like called her out three times for offenses. One being that she like broke her racket, which is like, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. The other um, being that like he was assuming that like her coach was sending her signals from the box. And so like that is called coaching and it's not supposed to happen. Some tournaments let it happen, but at the U.S. Open, it is forbidden. The thing about it that's actually very annoying is uh, which like Serena's coach acknowledged is that all coaches do it. Just because the coach is giving you signals does not mean that you're like getting coached in real time, right? Right. 
and truly, it also comes down to a matter of um, enforcement, actually. It's like, well, if everybody's doing it, but some people get punished for it, like, you should probably look at the people who are enforcing the thing as opposed to the people who are doing the thing. And so, like, Serena took that, like, very badly, which is, like, putting it in a mild way. And But also, like, she was justified in that. And the third offense that he gave her was for, um, you know, like, basically, like, a verbal misconduct. Like, he felt that she was, like, it rude to him. And so, like, the result of all three of these penalties basically meant that, like, she lost a game and had to serve, like, behind for the championship, which is, like, an it, like, is a huge deal. And to be clear, she was actually, like, not winning the game. Her opponent had the momentum, probably was going to win anyway, but that's not the point. The point is that, like, this is how you make a player lose momentum, and also it is deeply unfair. And it also, like, tainted the win for the you know like for for the young woman who won and uh and also like was incredibly painful for serena the reason that like all of this is like very significant is as like our queen billy jean king put it it is one thousand percent a double standard i cannot tell you how many times i have heard like male tennis players use the f word fucking john McEnroe's entire career was built on like being a bad boy on the pitch you have to remember that, like, this is, like, her place of work, right? And so I think that, like, a thing that was, like, touched me, like, deeply and something that I've heard from a lot of other people, it is just, like, this reminder for a lot of us that, like, if you stand up for yourself at work, that there are so many consequences to pay. It's, like, one, fuck this umpire who, like, on a championship, like, because his feelings were were hurt, decided to, like, <laughs> he made this, like, ridiculous, like, incredibly ridiculous and deeply unfair call and really, like, ruined a game for, for two people. It's like watching Osaka at the end, like, she was playing her hero. Like, she, like, there's no bigger Serena Williams fan than her. Right. And, like, she was crying. Serena was crying. Serena had to step up and ask the entire um, stadium to stop booing and, like, appreciate the victory. So even this visual of this, like, dark-skinned Black woman having to, like, hold this, like, smaller, lighter-skinned Black woman and make it okay for her, even though she has lost, was something that was, like, incredibly painful to watch. Mm -hmm. And all of this because, like, a man's feelings got hurt. And also, like, Serena has been, like, going on about this forever. She gets drug-tested more than, like, anybody in tennis, and in these, like, very disruptive kind of ways. She has never been, like, known to be a cheater, but they, like, over-test her. I was like, mm, that, you know, like, black woman doesn't surprise me. She, like, often um, receives, like, calls that are incredibly harsh for the same level of behavior that somebody, that, like, a lot of other tennis players have. And I think that, like, part of also, like, watching her get really upset here is realizing that, like, she's probably traumatized from, like, years of this. Yeah. You know? And really, really lost it. And she was, like, there was a point where, like, she was demanding that the umpire apologize to her. And that's when I lost it and started crying. I was, like, in all of my years of watching tennis, I've never seen something like this. Like, this was, like, truly surreal, you know? And the commentary around it has been, like, fascinating because, you know, there are, like, some of us who are, like, yep, we get it. I was, I'm, like, I'm being honest that I was, like, rooting for the other person to win. And I think she would have won regardless. Like, she, like, brought her A game. 
But even in that moment to like watch how like, you know, Serena constantly gets punished for being like big and black and like dominant on the field. And she gets punished in like every way, shape or form. She's, she has to pay like a $17,000 fine after being humiliated in all of this. A lot of the commentary, like the language people saying like, well, she was being bratty. She was loud. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have said that. Like even listening to the commentators like Chris Everett, you know, like people who I'm really surprised like did not have her back, like not understand the nuance of what is going on was like deeply disappointing. Yeah, I I want to recommend Claudia Rankin's writing about mm-hmm. um, Serena, which she did a profile of her last year or the year before that we can link to. I think it was two years before, right? Okay. We can link, we'll link to it. And then she also has um, a section about uh, Serena in her book Citizen, which if you haven't read is like, I feel like it is a must read, must own. She so beautifully distills the position that Serena is in and like how it is not just about like the state of play on the tennis court, which I think that some of the responses like, you know, you mentioned like Chris Everett or some other commentators seem to think that like what's going on is tennis rules. And it's like actually like take a bigger lens, look at what's happening structurally, look at like who Serena is and like look at you know, what it means to be a black woman in America and like think a little harder about the context for the response to what she said. Right. And also like you do not have to be a tennis fan to know that like Serena is like one of the greatest athletes of our time. Of course. I watch a lot of like different sports. I still like to me, Serena is the greatest athlete of all times. I was like, I watched this person like build their career and I feel strongly about that. You don't have to feel the same way as me, but she's definitely like top five pantheon. Like, you just have to know that. And to see how, like, she is able to, like, navigate the, like, just daily racism that is thrown at her for a sport that, like, she she essentially, like, built. If it wasn't for Venus and Serena Williams, nobody would give a shit about tennis. You know, know, like, at the, at, the, at the, like, degree that it is today. Not to say that, like, tennis hasn't been around forever. She's kept it relevant. She is. They, like, not only has she, has she, like, kept it relevant, like, her and Venus, like, they reinvented women's tennis. Like, women's tennis had a renaissance around these two women. And so for them to, like, really carry an entire sport on their back, like, truly, and for the sport not to respect them back, it's very disappointing. It's also, like, to see the way that, like, the media, like, is so obtuse about it and does not get it at all. That has been, like, mind-blowing on a different level. And so even, like, you know, like, a couple of days ago, there was this, like, insanely racist cartoon in, like, some Australian newspaper. I mean, like, you know, no shade to Australia, but, like, their top five racist country. Like, you know what I mean? If we're going to do, like, great... I can't even believe you're ranking racist Oh, my God. (laughs) If we're going to do, like, greatest racist of all times, like, Australia is, like, you know, they're meddling for sure. So... It was, like, to, to see, like, this Australian... Like, I'm, like, you don't even go here. To see this, like, Australian cartoonist render Serena in, like, legit, like, Sambo caricature. It's so wild. You have to see it. Because he makes, like, Osaka, who is... um She's, like, half Japanese and half Haitian. In the cartoon, she's basically a white blonde woman. I was, like, wow. Look at the point that you're making. This is bananas. You know what I mean? But yeah, the, I mean, like, way to reveal like a, all of what's going on for you here. Yeah, right. It's like way to say the quiet thing out loud. Like, whoo! Like, are we doing this? I like. I am so. I'm so upset, and I'm so hurt by it. And also, like, identify like so deeply with it. Um, Zerlina Maxwell wrote a really great piece, a Teen Vogue, that we will uh, link to. Also, that is, I think, like, perfectly distills how 
the lens through which like a lot of black women watch Serena play because we're like, you know, we're like, this is her office. And like, here's how they're disrespecting her at like the greatest level in the world. Like what, like what hope is there for us that somebody will not do this for us? So we'll link to that. It was also like beautiful moment of shine theory at the end, but I, I hated it. I was like, wow, women are amazing. I was like, this man ruined the whole game. And like, here are these two women like in their pain, like doing the best of it. Her speech at the end was like, like during the game was amazing. She was like, we'll get through this. And she like made the audience like stop booing. And I was like leadership. And then when she had this press conference, they like, you know, like somebody asked her like, do you regret anything that happened today? And she was like, no, I don't regret it at all. But like, you know, said something along the lines of like how it's not lost on her that like she has to endure all of this so that the next female player who wants to come along and like express herself fully will be allowed to do that. It was beautiful, but it was like really painful to hear. We are in 2018 and she is the first for, you know, like in her sport for something. And that's that's just like really hard to stomach. Right. And also recognizing that like, okay, like I, I agree there were some like beautiful moments to come out of this. And I'm like, this is a necessary conversation. But I'm like, yet again, it's like women of color digging through this steaming pile of shit dropped by like a man to find the diamonds <laughs> like, you know, within. Right. Like, it's, it's like really... it's always a teachable moment. Yeah. Whenever there's like black pain. It's somebody else's teachable moment. Yes. And also it's like I think a lot about like Osaka, who is like a like wonderful player and had this moment ruined by her. I cannot imagine losing to my idol in the way that she did. You know, like the amount of just like feeling like it wasn't fair or the self-doubt that she has. And she's very young. All of it is nonsense. It's like this could have been like a beautiful tennis game. And instead, we're all learning like race lessons. Ugh. The, I feel I feel like you could apply that statement. This could have been a beautiful X. Like instead we're all learning race lessons is <laughs> like the story of like so much pop culture and like so many broadly kind of teachable moments. I'm air quoting teachable of like history. <sighs> good, good rage. I like it. I like it. Listen, that's all the time we have today to rage, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go into my other life where I'm wildly happy. <laughs> can I can I ask you a question? I was thinking about this uh, when I, I knew we were going to discuss rage. What is something that is like kind of a low stakes thing or like a tiny thing that like will just make you rage when it happens? Like like a like a thing you encounter in more like mundane circumstances. Oh, man. I feel like there are so many of those things. I got to pick a good one. And there's like so much that makes me annoyed. Like I'm annoyed if I go to my Whole Foods and they're out of my yogurt. I was like, why? Like this is Park Slope. Like have all of our yogurt, please. <laughs> How can you not I, have this one yogurt? <laughs> I know. I get really annoyed if I um if I if I'm in the mood to watch cable TV and like Lawrence is on. I was like, ugh, I've missed all the good TV. Like he has nothing to offer me today. You mean Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC? <laughs> Yes, Lawrence. I'm not learning his last name. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not on a first name basis with cable news anchors. I'm just like, I gotta clarify. What else annoys me? Also, like, my my upstairs neighbors who, like, love to vacuum at 6 a.m., like, hate it when they do that. Mm. Um, there's so much. There's so much. But, you know, also secretly, I love being annoyed. <laughs> it's good to feel the full range of emotions. <laughs> I know. you got to feel the full range of emotions. What's something that annoys you? <laughs> Tell um, me. 
I feel like this is such a, a minor, I guess this is all about minor quibbles, but I can't understand why we are still doing dust jackets on books. I fucking hate <laughs> a hardcover dust I'm hanging jacket. Up. I'm hanging up. I'm I do. I'm like, they're always slip sliding around. They're like getting I know. bent they and creased do it, in my bag. And they do it so they can justify charging people $26 to buy books. You it's sold a garbage. book. Don't you know this? It's garbage. Listen, I'm sorry. Please buy our hardcover book, people, despite what Anna's saying here. <laughs> oh, but you know like another thing things- that annoys me is how Apple products have a new charging system every year. Oh. I was like, is this is this how you build a trillion dollar company? Is just switching up the like charging devices? Because I'm tired. Can I tell you that was gonna be where I was gonna go next? Which is like, stop forcing me to Bluetooth. I don't want to go to Bluetooth. Like, no. I know. I just, I- I'm like, I can't. I just I, I cannot. I was on a work call like last week and with someone who was on AirPods and they like died in the middle of the call. And I'm like, you know what never dies? My $10 headphones that are plugged into my phone with like a weird dongle. Like, you know, like it's yeah, annoying. Another thing that works. annoys me, the word dongle. I hate it. Okay? What what do you what do you think is a better like what would you like to see it replaced with? What made up word? <laughs> I just don't even like the concept of the dongle. That's also annoying. It is an annoying I don't like concept. that. What else do I know? Dongle is admitting design defeat. It's true. I don't like it when people I don't know, like, want to engage me in conversation and I clearly look like I'm frazzled on the street. That's something that I don't like. Now I'm just complaining about my whole life. But really, I'm annoyed about the yogurt. I was at Whole Foods today and it wasn't there. Justified. I I know, but I won't shout out my brand of yogurt because capitalism is bad. (laughs) (laughs) And we've come full circle. Um, There's yeah. no ethical consumption under capitalism. I feel like maybe we need to make petty anger like a recurring feature here because I just like, it feels really good to just rage about dumb stuff that is actually not that important. I know. You know, another thing I love to rage about is like women who do like uh, pageants. And then like right now, everybody is like really, they're like, oh, they're like, oh my God. You know, like, are you not following this? I think we just had like... Whichever one of them is a scholarship contest, the one that, like, they don't do swimsuits anymore. I don't don't remember which one it is. Whether it's Miss America or Miss USA, I don't know. But, like, one of these, like, women making themselves dumb to get, like, $5 for a scholarship on television. The Miss from Michigan, like, introduced herself on, on some, like, woke, like, I'm from the state that has the most water, but we don't have any for our... Um, you know, like for our residents or whatever. And everybody's like, oh my God, the pageant is so woke. And I was like, you know what's not woke? Women parading in gowns, grown women parading in gowns, doing like juggling tricks to get like zero fame. Like that's not woke at all. Zero respect for pageants. Okay, final petty anger moment is the fact that I can't turn off the suggested Gmail replies. Oh, I wait, I thought I... Didn't we fix that for okay, you? Okay, they're back. And I've conclusively Googled that you cannot turn these off. They are like perma, like suggested replies that exist once you get bumped to like the newer version of Gmail. And here is why I'm so angry. They are all like the most acquiescent, like, you know, thanks, exclamation point. I like it, exclamation point. Yeah, you got it. office culture, Anne. You also, know what? Anne, I don't work I've in an office using, for this reason. I've been using all of those on you and Gina all week and yes. nobody has noticed. No, I have definitely <laughs> noticed. You do not use that many exclamation points and that kind of capitalization is not present in your normal work. I, what I, I was just like, about to say, hey, that sounds like a great idea. 
I'm resentful of of like bots starting to control the relationship that I have with people who I email. And also just like, ew, sometimes I want to, I do not need to reply to this. I do not want to reply with an exclamation point. Like stop forcing me into like weird cheerfulness and agreement at all times. Listen, <sighs> you, can, you can build an angry bot, um, but I'm going to tell you now, the robots definitely, when they take over, they are not going to be cheery. So, oh my God, they are going to be cheery, but they're like, mm-mm. it's going to have, oh my God, they're going to be cheery and a like, thanks exclamation point as they like behead their human masters or whatever. Listen, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm obsessed with watching YouTube videos of like really advanced robot stuff. Uh-huh. And there's like inevitably always a YouTube video of like some white tech bro, like hitting a robot. And I'm like, I hope the robots can tell race because they need to know that like my people, we would never hit a robot. <laughs> so like this is where the world is going. Also, let me tell you, we are fully going to get a robot president before we get a woman president. That's my other petty thing. I mean, that is not petty. And also <laughs> like like first robot president. I'm like, who is programming the first robot president? It's It definitely was a white man. And everything we know about like learned bias in programming, I'm like, we cannot vote for a robot president. I mean, Ted Cruz is kind of a robot. <laughs> So, you know, also, yeah, also his father is a Zodiac killer. So there's like a lot going on there. I just. Okay. Now that I'm like fully on conspiracy theory land, I think it's time to go home. I'm going to see you on the internet, but also I'm going to see you on tour. And, uh, and also, uh, hey, have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) See you on the internet and in the petty anger corner. (laughs) child i'm gonna go to another whole foods and look for my fancy yogurt you can find us many places on the internet on our website callyourgirlfriend.com you can download the show anywhere you listen to your faves or on apple podcast where we would love it if you left us a review you can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com we're on instagram twitter and facebook at callyrgf You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. Our associate producer is Destry Maria Sibley. This podcast is produced by Gina Dalvac.